the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the week one college football betting recap and week two look ahead. I'm Stucky and with me as always, Colin Wilson. I- I'm still not over the game last night. Unbelievable <laughs> weekend of college football capped off by, well, it's not capped off yet. We still have Georgia Tech Clemson. I don't know if they're going to give us quite the game that we saw last night, but man, that's Sunday night time slot. Island slot did not let us down there in that first half but you're only down by four what was your message uh we can't play any worse than that i don't think i mean it's my first game maybe we can uh, lsu florida state in a game that came down to the wire no matter what you bet on it if you had the over the under if you had a side money line it all came down to that final extra point and which made it there's so many things to talk about this weekend but that game in particular it's blocked. It is made it really Ironic is that the only assistant that Brian Kelly took with him from Notre Dame was the special teams coach. <laughs> and they had muff punts. They had a blocked field goal and then ultimately a blocked extra point. And Florida State holds on to win by one as of right now. It doesn't look like Keyshawn Butte has transferred, but I don't know if uh, that will be the case by the end of the week. How about that game? How about that weekend of college football? Stripping your Instagram of all things related to your school is a sure sign that a player's uh, maybe dipping his toes in the waters of the transfer portal, but we'll see. I think the Florida State proved that in the front seven, they can cause as much havoc as anybody. They had six tackles for loss, four sacks. Daniels was lost so much, couldn't find Butte. You know, Brian Kelly talked about it all summer, that the offensive line was going to be an issue, and here we were. So I'm glad the under worked out for everybody. Florida State looked like themselves. Explosive plays, not long sustaining drives, but it's hard to uh, predict that ending. That was amazing. I, I'm I'm still recovering, though, Stuck, because I went 3-3 three and three on our BBOC live show. My three losses were by two and a half points. That Georgia-Oregon uh, over 53, landing at 52 with no scores in the fourth quarter. I mean, the game was an absolute blowout, but you couldn't get me anything. Just one more score, please. By the way, the LSU, Mason Smith, I didn't, like, we, we talked about the LSU defensive line, too, and his impact was felt, or the loss of him, and it look, looks like he's going to potentially be out for the year. Well, there's so many amazing games to get to, but let's start things off with the voicemails, as always. This is probably the first time I haven't lost – money i think i made like six dollars overall in week zero and one combined so which is an improvement over my week week with zero and week ones in the past but i did have my worst call maybe of and i've said this on twitter before in week one you have to just accept this in week one you are going to look like a genius sometimes and then you're going to look like a complete buffoon you're betting on sometimes the improvement of teams there's all these transfer movements new coaches you will be wildly off you will be wildly right you just have to accept that. But one of those for me was USF. Holy moly. But the good news is UTEP guy, Minor Nation, has already set the precedent. I just want to say that lightning delays suck. 
It threw our whole game plan out the window. USF rolls in that game without the lightning delay. Lightning delay threw them all off. That was the only reason. Without that lightning delay, they're ready to go. Anyway, I'm sure I'll hear about it here. I didn't get a chance to listen. I'm down in Avalon, New Jersey with family for a couple of days. Beautiful beach house that I'm just going to sit inside of and cap football for days. So, But here we go. Let's see what you guys brought. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Big Bets on Campus podcast. Leave a message after the bleep. College football was looking great. I had West Virginia plus seven and a half. West Virginia money line. Pitt under eight and a half wins. And then this crazy Neil Brown punched the ball on fourth and inches. Thought I was going to be able to take my girl to Olive Garden. Now it looks like we got to go to Fazoli's. Yeah, that game, Pitt, oh, I wanted that loss too for my win total. West Virginia doesn't go for a fourth, but then the game, the play that changes the game, the completely lucky pick, pick six for Pitt, wide open. Hits the receiver in the hands, not a defender within 10 yards of him, pops up in the air, and the pit receiver takes it to the house. Infuriating loss. If anybody should have taken anything from that game, West Virginia has a running back, a freshman running back, C.J. Donaldson, 125 yards on seven carries. He's an absolute animal. The West Virginia having a rushing game needs to be a part of the handicap from here on out. Yeah, West Virginia's offensive line was better than I thought it would be. Pitt might have found themselves a running back too, but I I, got to check his injury situation. The one time I leave the state and I can finally bet on Illinois, they lose to Indiana. I have an ex-girlfriend who goes there. I hate that school. And the cherry on top is a guy with his brother goes there. So he's rubbing his sweaty nuts in my face the entire time that his brother's drunk. I f***ing hate Illinois. I hate everything about it. Such a bad beat. All right. uh, Let's talk Illinois, Indiana, because I have a rant about this. Because this almost, by the way, this almost cost Florida State the game. Your beloved NC State Wolfpack, who almost went down in Greenville, almost cost them the game. It did end up costing Illinois the game. Brett Bielema, Dave Doran, Mike Norvell, spend five minutes, ten minutes a day. Keep your quarterback after practice in your center. Go under center. I I promise you these guys did this in sixth grade, eighth grade when they were playing quarterback. Snap it under center. It's not that difficult. And then sneak the ball at the one-yard line. You know the most successful play in NFL history by success rate? It's Tom Brady sneaking the ball on fourth and one. Drew Brees. If Drew Brees can do it at the goal, you don't have to stretch the ball over. These teams going – right below me, you, you pride yourself on being, oh, we're 300-pound guys. We're going we're gonna to maul you and run the ball. Fourth and goal at the inch-yard line, you, you're snapping the ball five yards back to Tommy DeVito and, and then getting blown up at the – like, what are you doing? Get under center, sneak the ball, and then just reach the ball over the or over the plane. That's it. It's literally going to cost you games. This this literally can cost you one or two games a year if you don't know how to sneak the ball from the one yard line. It almost cost Florida State. It almost cost NC State, which couldn't get in against the ECU defensive line because they kept snapping the ball on shotgun. The best part about NC State and Dave Doran is they were at the one at the fourth. It was second and goal at the one on the second time they got stuffed. And they sneak it right in, right in. Dennis Leary goes right in on a quarterback sneak, but the, but the rest blew the whistle and they said, we have to respot the ball. So they respotted the ball and Dave Dorn is like, oh no, they might know we're going to sneak now. It doesn't matter. They not think you're going to sneak every time and it still works. Sneak the ball. Oh my God. So yeah, if you didn't, if you had Illinois, they didn't sneak the ball. So they lost anyway.
<laughs> oh, we couldn't even get past week one. Not even past week one. Colin stuck. It's good to be back, but not really. Not really. I have App State plus one and a half. You know, they closed, I don't know, almost minus three. Getting that CLV, feeling good. Back and forth. I feel like they're dead. They're down 41 after being up 21 to 7. So I'm like, oh, f This game's over. I'm not going to pay attention to this anymore. They come all the way back. And all Chase Price has to f do is hit the guy on the two point conversion. He overthrows them. And I'm like, all right, that's all right. It's fine. I have plus one and a half. They just can't return the onside kick. They returned it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And then it's not over. It's not over. They just continue to twist the knife. They get a kickoff return to the 50. They score a touchdown to two plays. All they have to do is convert the two-point conversion, and they can't. They just fucking can't. Oh, God. I fucking hate this shit. But I love it at the same time. I'm riding an ad state money line ticket down 17 in the late third quarter. Running Wildcat with their middle linebacker. And then this 26 year old redshirt senior has to learn his lesson thrown right to the linebacker. What the f? All right, App State, North Carolina. Wow. I mean, it, it's such an incredible weekend of college football. You know, but by the way, Old Dominion upsetting Vatek. Vatek with like five turnovers. They give up a, f- a field goal snapped over their head. Their their coaches get stuck in the elevator. Things apparently got stolen from them. That's that's Friday night. And Old Dominion beats Bigger Brother at home. We have a similar situation at noon. ECU in Greenville hosting hated NC State, Older Brother, Power Five, and then App State hosting North Carolina. And man, oh man, those games did not disappoint. The Power Five schools that ended up prevailing there. But the, the spread drama in North Carolina, App State, I mean, even the second half spread was unbelievable. And the amount of things that had to happen in that second half for App State to not cover plus one and a half. And you got reeled back in. You thought you were done, reeled back in. Uh, amazing game. I, By the way, Drake May looks really good for North Carolina. Didn't even have his top receiver. Uh, I'm the clown who took the uh, alive under in that game. Good call on that over, which I think both teams – cleared but on their own but what did what an incredible two games going on at north carolina at the same time i i can't even tell you how bad the north carolina defense is they gave up 649 total yards uh app state averaged 6.7 on the ground and i think one other thing i saw in the box score is that north carolina had 12 penalties for 130 yards i mean it was a dreadful performance from North Carolina on the defensive side. And you've got an offensive coordinator that is running just plays as fast as possible. You know, Drake May is unbelievable. I think you just got to keep playing overs on North Carolina until it doesn't cash. 67 and a half going up against Georgia State this week. Uh, a Panthers team that's taken in a lot of sharp money uh, on uh, Sunday during opener stuck. So, and then I'm happy Old Dominion, you know, got the flat out win for our, our Moneyline Dogs on the podcast. But at the same time, they got five turnovers from Virginia Tech. There's a lot of wonkiness going on and a scoop and score in the second quarter quarter is what the real real difference was in that game yeah i had no idea how old dominion won that game they have a major problem at center yeah with uh their the walk-on who was getting blown up every play I, I they kept trying to run it on first down i'm like you don't there's no establishing to run this game just th- just throw it up to your talented tight end and wide receiver on the outside and that's ended up what ended up ultimately winning the game by the way another thing that just popped in my head san jose state their offensive line whoa 
Uh, they got to go up against Auburn this week. They were destroyed by Portland State's defensive line. Almost every play getting blown up. I was watching that game. I have San Jose State win total over. They almost lost. They should have lost that game. Portland State gave it away at the end. All right. Oh, my God. I don't know what's worse. Watching Scott Frost shoot himself in the dick like usual. God, he's such a bad coach. Or watching Bo Nick's season in full effect. Holy sh**. A new season, but the same old Colin Stuckey betting against Georgia. What a classic. I mean, come on, man. The game was never, ever close. Georgia minus 17 was always the play. And come on, we've had Bo Nix four times against this defense. And y'all took Bo Nix against the Georgia defense. It's just indespicable to me. Bo Nix season, not in effect ever. Time to retire the sound boys. Week one in the books. So, but by the way, you have to get, you guys are, are not getting the Bo Nix season in full effect. Bo Nix season in full effect. That sound clip works in both ways. So when Bo Nix, we, we, we were talking about the podcast last week, are we going to get good Bo Nix or bad Bo Nix? We get bad Bo Nix. This game will be a 40 point blowout. Is my exact words, but that that's what that sound clip means. So Bo Nix season in full effect is when he is, making incredible plays and bonex season in full effect is when he is completely shitting the bed which he did on saturday uh i was a little disappointed in the oregon defense but the oregon offense moved the ball up and down the field i mean if you look at the what was their success rate had to be over 45 percent which is really 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 good um and then they would yeah that bonex pick bo pick season in full effect impressed by some of the young corners young secondary play of georgia they're really good i upgraded them significant that defense there's questions about what this defense they lost a ton of nfl talent but oregon moved the ball successfully on them but they just had bo nix making dumb mistakes but really 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 great game from stetson bennett and company uh oregon defense was disappointing to me uh so yeah b- bad call on oregon for sure yeah oregon went nine of ten on third downs 571 total yards 429 of that from the passing game but i mean it was two early bo nix ints that really kind of sealed it then georgia just got into death star mode and just <laughs> went up and down the field i just could not believe the size of darnell washington tight end from georgia uh you know if brock bowers was supposed to be the best tight end and then Arik gilbert is supposed to be the most talented tight end to ever come out of college football recruiting darnell washington is the size of a house i i don't know who's going to be tackling him but uh georgia's first seven drives Drives were all a TD. Eighth drive was a punt. So I don't know what you're supposed to do like with that kind of blowout, but obviously it's on the Oregon defense and it's on the fact that Bo Nix couldn't score when he had uh, he couldn't had a terrible rating and finishing drives, just couldn't do anything when he got yeah, down. Points for opportunity. I think Georgia was like at six and then Oregon was at like 0.5. Yep. So they would just move down the field and then turn it over. Right. Uh, but credit, credit to the Georgia defense. There's definitely more cracks in that Georgia defense than last year, but they could certainly figure that out by the end of the year. It was a, they were facing a really good team, albeit a quarterback who was vomiting on the field, but they were facing a really good team and shut them down, but they were giving up lots of drives up and down the field, which they didn't do last year as much. But again, a lot of brand new pieces. They could get there. They Georgia certainly, I'd, 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 before the year, I'd have more doubt that Georgia was going to be up in that upper echelon, but I think by the end of the year, it's going to be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and then a big drop-off, whereas I didn't know if Georgia was going to be in that upper tier. Right. So definitely impressed by the overall effort. Uh, Ohio State, on the other hand, that Notre Dame game. Ryan Day in these big games lately has been kind of disappointing to me. Um, the fourth and two punt from the 40, like really? Against the, you have the best offense in the country? Your fourth and two punt at the 40? 
in these big games, he's been he's disappointed me in some of his decision making. Granted, it's the first game of the year. There's going to be some rust. You can't take too much from it. And by the way, that's we'll talk about this on our week two betting preview later in the week. It's cracking the code. This same thing in the NFL. Early in the season is when you want to make your biggest adjustments in your power ratings, especially in college football, where you, you sometimes you have a whole new team of transfers and coaches. But you also don't want to overreact to things that happen. Okay, so how do you balance that? Well, it's more art than science. So that's what I spend most of my time doing for week two. It's trying to adjust and do it more efficiently than the market. But yeah, you want to you want to make your biggest adjustments during the season, but you don't want to adjust, over adjust, and overreact. Uh, so it's a, it's definitely a fine line. But yeah, Notre Dame. I didn't expect them to be as competitive. That game was in doubt for a large majority of the game. What were your thoughts on that overall Ohio State performance? The handicap on the game for me was the fact that Ryan Day wanted to establish the run. Uh, <laughs> did did this offense, did Ryan Day take a class on how to turn your offense back like 30 years? I, I couldn't understand. Even with, uh, you know, you know Smith Najigba, maybe, I don't we we'll see his injury status, but not available for the game. You still have extremely talented weapons on the outside. Your defense, you know, I was impressed with Jim Knowles, what he was able to do. Pretty much, you know, the handicap that we gave on the podcast was Notre Dame's going to flash their hand in the first couple drives, and then Jim Knowles is going to shut them down, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, Notre Dame averaged 2.5 yards per carry. They only went 10 of 18 in passing, and third, you know, they they only converted three of 13 third downs. So, uh, you know, I mean, and then this Ohio State offense being methodical, gaining 22 first downs, uh, you know, I mean, it's like – this is not the flashy explosive offense that we're used to. So, you know, I, I, there's this whole narrative that Ryan day was playing into, which was we can be a blue collar team. We can get our hands dirty down in the trench. So I, I don't know if that's going to keep up. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, some of the teams coming up on the schedule, you absolutely can, you know, hammer. Yeah, but they can get through the big 10 like that, but uh, they, they should have aspirations of winning the national title this year. As much as I think their defense is going to be improved under Jim Knowles, you're not beating Alabama or Georgia 20 to 17. Sorry. Right. So, yeah, I mean, some of the box scores, if you look, you're like, all right, it was a pretty impressive performance, but the, I expected more from Ohio State is all. All right, let's move on here. Hey, Colin Stuck, entire um, Action Network staff. Just want to say great job last week right after that Nevada game, getting me on Texas State plus six. I can't imagine if I would have waited till today when I went to Texas State. Oh, wait, they lost by 24. Nevada? Are you kidding me? I get Texas State plus five. They close as a two-point favorite, so seven points of CLV. Nevada, 235 total yards? And they win by 24? They put up 38 points? 3.9 yards per play? Are you kidding me? This team is terrible. I mean, Texas State, you should be embarrassed. What a joke of a game that was. Disgusting. I, again, like I said, you have some really bad calls. Well, I've bad calls all year, but especially early in the season. that For me, that wasn't one of them. I mean, it was frustrating, especially for the win total, too. You get seven points of CLV. Like it's it, here's the thing: it's not certain you're not going to win. It's predictive over like a thousand or two thousand bets that you're going to crush when you're doing that over the long run. But I mean, look, my NFL season last year, I think I went like zero and five when getting seven plus points with the quarterback out. It's it happens, but you could have bad handicaps. I, I I watched that game, a lot of that game actually, way too much of that game. Nevada still stinks. Nevada? Are you kidding me? Nevada? I think they were outgained. They won by like 25. They got 
I, I don't know when the turnover luck's going to end, but sometimes you have to remember that football is a fluky game and you're going to, sometimes you will beat the line by a lot, but it doesn't, that doesn't guarantee anything. A couple turnovers here or there, your CLVs right out the window. Who cares? They got four or five turnovers. The ball's popping up in the air and Texas state runs right into Nevada hands. Like it, they were, again, their offense is horrendous. Um, uh, my stance has not changed on Nevada. Uh, they beat Texas state, Texas state, by the way, is arguably one of the wor- bottom 10 worst teams in the country. So Nevada has two wins over New Mexico state and Texas state. I think they were plus nine in turnovers. They were number one in the nation in turnover margin last year. They beat two bottom 10 teams. They were outplayed in both statistically. They were, they were bad. By the way, speaking of bad, middle Tennessee state in their new air raid, 20% success rate, <laughs> 20%. Oh, by the way, their defense, which lost a lot on the back end, Todd Santeo, the temple Colorado state cast off threw six touchdowns, no picks and ran for 140 yards. The, probably the most dominant. He should be the Heisman front runner. If we just went on statistics alone, Todd Santeo is the Heisman front runner. <laughs> Your JMU quarterback who beat the living shit out of Middle Tennessee. Like, you want to talk about sometimes there's blowouts, like the Nevada blowout. You look at the box score, you're like, oh, this was an even game and there was just turnovers. Sometimes there's blowouts that are truly blowouts, like Georgia over Oregon, BYU over South Florida. Like, BYU got a couple breaks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look at the box score. BYU dominated that game. Middle Tennessee JMU looks it looks like the box score. It's actually more lot might be more lopsided than the Alabama Utah State box score. Middle Tennessee State was embarrassed by a team making its first its uh, FBS debut. Are we going to turn around and bet Texas State against Florida International? We're talking about teams that looked bad. I watched the entire Florida International Bryant game. I had Bryant. Double-digit spread. I'm watching them. They're dominating Florida International the whole time. Florida International somehow catches up in the fourth quarter. Listen, they made a QB change, right? Didn't Holmberg got hurt? Yeah, QB change. It went to overtime, and and obviously McIntyre didn't believe enough in the offense to keep going. They went for two in the first in the first overtime, right? So they won by one. They converted the two-point conversion and beat Bryant, but they had to have a massive comeback. And I'm telling you, on both lines of scrimmage, Bryant was in the backfield. Bryant was like dominating this team. So now I'm sitting here staring at Texas State minus 13 and a half against Florida International. It's I, it's almost like an autoplay how bad Florida International is. But then you look at Texas State, you know, I mean, to move. The incompetence of turnovers were, yeah. it was bad. It, it's funny is when we talked about that when the transfer portal first came up that we said that the, the wealthiest teams in college football would get stronger. Well, I think some of the teams at the bottom of the rung, they're getting worse. Absolutely worse. Yeah, I don't remember. FIU is like on their two deep. It's like Duke and Syracuse transfers. And then like Duke, Syracuse, and then a bunch of FCS, D2. It's the roster is really, really, really bad. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of really, really bad, probably my most the most disappointing team of the weekend for me. We'll get the best call, worst call, bet regret after this segment. Louisville was thoroughly, thoroughly dominated by Syracuse. And Malik Cunningham had a horror show of a day. You remove garbage time, threw for 120 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, ran for 37, no touchdowns, two fumbles. Like 150 total yards of offense with two picks, two fumbles, and no uh, – really impressed with the Syracuse defense, which the – my handicap there was they lost their entire front, and I didn't believe in their front. I thought it would hurt their back, but they shut down Louisville. And then you got to give credit to their new offensive coordinator, but it looks like the same old 
same old Louisville defense. So Louisville came out and cited the fact that they couldn't handle the crowd noise inside the Carrier Dome as a reason why oh, the come offense, on. yeah the offensive line wasn't getting signals uh, out to the wide receivers in the skill positions. Malik Cunningham, the communication was poor, and that's the reason that they did so bad on offense. They just got hammered. They absolutely and the fact I, the fact that Sean Tucker didn't get a hundred yards and and Syracuse hammered him is still amazing to me. So I don't know what to do with Louisville because now Central Florida is already up to seven on the board. It's way too high. Uh, but you know I'm gonna have to grin and bear it with Louisville because uh, I mean touchdowns just too high for them. So there's no weekday games until Friday, which we'll cover on our episode later in the week Thursday. That'll come out Friday. Group of five guys will have their episode out a day before. Also, Action Network podcast, Chris Raybon and I will be recording our week one preview on Wednesday night, starting with our Sunday six-pack. So make sure you check that out. Let's close up the voicemails here. You know what? F*** a group of five f***ing podcast hosts. You know what? F*** them. No, yeah, UCF is going to be great money line dog. Well, yeah, great, great, great. What the f***? First f***ing play, touchdown. UCF can't get a f***ing break. Another touchdown. Interception. What the flying f***? The f*** is wrong with you, Stuck? Oh, it's going to be f***ing humid. Oh, yeah. South Florida. Humid. F***. Utah has to be the most overrated team I have ever seen in college football. How do you throw a pick there? Just run the ball. Run the ball or throw a couple fade routes. It's disgusting. All right. uh, Utah. Colin. Your beloved Utes go down in Florida to Billy Napier on a lot of AR magic. Florida, by the way, finished with five more yards, and that's where and Utah turned it over. Thought that was pretty weird when I was looking at the box. But Utah turned it over at the five in the game. Those five yards ended up being the difference. Obviously, Florida ends up pulling off the comeback victory in a wild one down in the swamp. Any any thoughts uh, on the outcome? Oh, red zone issues for Utah, you know, on both sides of the ball. The the fact that I lost my first half money line by a single point because of an Anthony Richardson explosive play. And then uh, Cam Rising couldn't do anything on the other side. And then to end the game, Cam Rising. They first a goal twice, right? No points. Two yeah. goal to go situations without points in that game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then at the end of the game, losing outright by, uh, you know, throwing the INT there at the end. I mean, it was a pitiful offensive performance. I mean, they were able to move the ball up and down the field, but then they choked in the red zone and, um, you know, I mean, Tavian Thomas had 115 on the ground for the Utes, but really it was Anthony Richardson. He went 168 through the air, 106 on the ground with three rushing TDs. I mean, he is everything. Montreal Johnson had 72 yards on the ground at TD, but nothing compared to what Anthony Richardson is to this Florida team. I don't know how you handicap against Florida from here on out and saying that anybody, any defense can can control what Anthony Richardson's going to do really the, the kid's almost unstoppable. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll wait until he faces an elite defense, but until then Florida has the ability to blow people out. Um, but you know, terrible red zone day for Utah period. Yeah. By the way, I watched that entire Kentucky game. We, we my wife opened a new bar in Kentucky, two keys. Uh, come check it out. If you're in town, drinks on me. Uh, and we were, so Kentucky was on every, almost every TV, but I had that game on one TV. But I was watching, and Kentucky did not look impressive. I think you had my Ohio. I was going to bet my Ohio and missed it and missed the line, and it went down below 17. Kentucky was not impressive. Their offensive line was a problem. They were struggling with my Ohio's defense. That game turned on two plays. Kentucky returns the opening kick for a touchdown, dropped the ball before the goal line, but they didn't overturn it. It shouldn't have been a touchdown. 
And then the next play, Miami, Ohio fumbles. It pops up in the air and Kentucky returns it inside the 10 scores a touchdown. Then at the very end on a week, a weekend where every single total, any, any total I had would just get an under would just get ruined at the very end of the game after like no points in the first half. Like I'm not even mad about the Arkansas one because Arkansas's two best defensive players got hurt. I was able to get some live over down. I should have got more when Slusher and Catalan went down. I mean, then you could just see guys running wide open all over. I'd be a little worried about their defense going forward. I'll get your thoughts in a second. But Kentucky overall was not impressive against Miami Ohio. And then Miami Ohio's quarterback gets hurt at the end, and Gabbert can't even f- finish the last drive to get a potential backdoor for Miami Ohio backers or my over. But, I, yeah, there was some holes on Kentucky that I'm certainly worried about in this Florida game. Uh, any any update, by the way, on Arkansas's defensive injuries, Slusher and Catalan? Yeah, well, we're recording this before Pittman's uh, press conference this afternoon, or else I, I would know a little bit more on those. Go Hogs. From a defensive standpoint, Arkansas allowed Cincinnati in 10 of 12 drives to be in their territory. This was not a great defensive performance whatsoever, and I think it goes back to the handicap that we had from the summer. Arkansas's defensive line cannot put any pressure on opposing quarterbacks. That's going to be a huge issue going forward. It should. I stuck. you had the right idea. Going forward, there should be a lot of overs. Listen, Arkansas was kind of beat up on the offensive side. They didn't look good. Lots of penalties. They, they It was a grind. It's the same thing last year when they played Rice in the first game. The fact that the defensive line can't create any pressure, there's going to be a lot of overs in Arkansas's future. Yeah, no, I had a game under, but I ended up betting live over. Yeah, I saw that. Their, yeah. defense, their defense fell off a cliff, by the way. They have defensive issues overall, but when Catalan went out and Slusher was out, you could see it. their defense fall off a cliff. Those are their two best defensive players, right, by far. Yeah, by far. And Catalan's an All-American. And then there, his backup got hurt, too. And it's like, it was bad. And then Sitsitsi had wide-open guys now down the field. Because in the first half, Ben Bryant looked just kind of bewildered and about the speed of the game. Mackish, but, he looked um, like an Eastern Michigan quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. All right, let's finish up. You know, when I bet on Georgia State, I said, Spencer Rattler beats me, Spencer Rattler beats me. What I didn't want beating me was a 53-yard field goal. 51-yard field goal, block punt touchdown, another block punt touchdown, a 79-yard punt. Don't let special teams beat me this year. Yeah, that was in response to the South Carolina-Georgia State game. I didn't catch much of that um, outside of reviewing anything there. Georgia State had more yards. Georgia State had 311 yards. The South Carolina is 306 yeah, Georgia State had more total yards and, and the same number of plays, and South Carolina went 3 of 14 on third downs. Spencer Rattler, 23 of 37 passing, just one TD and two INTs. Uh, you know, South and Carolina only had two and a half yards per rush. Don't get caught up by the final score. South Carolina was losing this game in the third quarter, so it was a good handicap. Uh, didn't cover, and uh, I'm going to back Georgia State again this week, but as far as South Carolina and Arkansas goes, these are two teams that have a lot of questions, a lot of questions going into this one this week. South Carolina, that, that skid Jeter had a 51-yarder, a 53-yarder. They returned a punt for a touchdown, and Georgia State turned it over, turned it over on downs inside the South Carolina 10. They threw a pick inside in the red zone. <laughs> Man, that was brutal. They should have definitely covered. All right, let's do best call, worst call, bet, regret. I'm going to say my best call is ECU. I'm kidding. I just wanted to get that out there for my NC State people. Uh, best call by far is Arizona. Completely dominant effort over – San Diego State and Colin finally bets the San Diego State under, <laughs> and there's explosive plays. All, all you got just stop. Yeah, some teams you can't figure out. Uh, San Diego State totals will forever be 
Collins' downfall. But uh, Arizona just was dominant. They averaged six and a half yards per play, San Diego State four. Cowling went off for Arizona. I thought they could be one of the most improved teams in the country, and that certainly might be the case. I had the same thoughts with Southern Miss, but they still have the same old quarterback issues. Luckily, they covered. And also South Florida, which is my worst call. So South Florida plus 12. South Florida money line ruined our money line parlay. At least both of our favorites got there. Both of our favorite favorites. But yeah, South Florida by far. Um, sadly, what's his name for BYU? Nakua. So Rami didn't play, but Nakua did play. And I think he, he had an 80-yard touchdown in the first play and then had another touchdown in the second play. And then there was a pick six and then it just snowballed from there. But completely dominant effort by BYU. But then he got hurt. He was Then he... Was out, I think, in the second half. I don't know. Something to keep an eye on BYU. But South Florida was overmatched. Thought they would be much improved. So as you're going to look foolish with that. I thought with all their returning production, who they brought in in the transfer portal, that they were going to have a shot here. But uh, that's like Minor Nation would say. It was the lightning. Play. By the way, Minor Nation, he didn't call in. I thought we were winning outright. There was no lightning. No lightning in Norman when I checked. You got to call in. Come on. We, we got to. We have to eat our crow. You got to call in for us. I'm sure we'll be hearing from Minor Nation once they get their first win. Who does UTEP get next? Home against New Mexico State. And then at New Mexico. Congratulations. You will have a win coming up. So what Bet Regret is, we talked about this. You brought this up, and I didn't do this enough until last night, is bet more first half unders. I had, I was very, very happy with my totals across the board. Got fucked in a couple, just in horrific fashion. Sides, I was not as happy with. I got lucky in a couple. Uh, Troy, fortunately, like Southern Miss didn't go to triple overtime or to the triple overtime rule has changed, but uh, Troy got the back door for me. But totals were good across the board, especially in the first half. And then they just blew up. Some of them just were unlucky, like Tennessee's third string quarterback can't hand the ball off and the, they fumble it. And then Ball State kicks a, a field goal down 50. Come on, have some pride. Um, and so that goes over by the hook. But in general, we talked about this. You brought this up and you were like, you know, early in the year, you see recently we've been seeing these teams where the scoring in like their first game will start out really slow. And then the scoring will just like explode. Like there's, you know, a rust factor quarterbacks catching up to the, to the speed of the game. And then there's also teams just feeling out each other early on. So I got to remember that last year and just in general is to look more at first half unders and to at least have a piece if I really like the full game under um, because there's so many unders that I had blew up late um, after like just nothing happened in the first half. Almost happened again with LSU last night. If they hit that extra point, that game goes over. Um, so that's my best call, worst call, bet, regret. Um, uh, best call honorable mention was Temple under. Temple's offense. Oh, Mike Elko looks like he does have that Duke defense as maybe one of the most improved units in the country. We'll see. And uh, they had really, really, really efficient quarterback play as well. But Temple, I mean, barely scratched 100 yards up until garbage time. So that's best call honorable mention. Worst call honorable mention will go with uh, Oregon. And I don't know, how did UC Davis not cover 18? They outgained Cal. Talk about you want to look at their points per opportunity. Talk about another CLV dumpster fire again. What's your best call? Worst call? Bet regret? 
Yeah, best call is going to be TCU uh, on Friday night. They averaged 9.2 yards per rush against Colorado. Uh, third string, Sam Jackson <laughs> might be the fastest quarterback in all of college football. He didn't throw a pass, but he rushed three times for 44 yards. Don't is know. Morris out for the year? We I haven't heard if Chandler Morris is out for the year, but, uh, you know, Duggan only had three passing attempts and Sam Jackson came in. Is it in. true that you only bet TCU to win the Big 12 because it's uh... – it's your guy Morris's son. No, I bet it on Morris's son. I bet it because of Joseph Gillespie and his defense didn't let me down. They had two sacks, six tackles for loss, and five quarterback. So this isn't a Chad Morris lineage play. No, it's not a Chad Morris lineage. As a matter of fact, I I, I mean, there are some people out there that want Chad Chandler Morris to be the quarterback. I don't. I don't. I, I like this more explosive. The air raid with the explosive quarterback is more kind of my game, my jam with the, these guys. But uh, I'll let Sonny Dykes coach the team. My worst. My worst call is Louisville by far, throwing them in our round-robin parlay. You ask for your boat anchor to, to be the one that wins you know, most of the tickets for you when you get those upsets, and they absolutely got hammered up in the Carrier Dome like we mentioned before. And then my bet regret is how all summer all I can talk about how this is not the offense that Lane Kiffin wants. This is not the footprint that he wants from a wide receiver, an explosive factor from a quarterback perspective with Altmaier and Jackson Dart, who Jackson Dart got all the, all the playing time, but – this is not what Lane Kiffin wants. That was probably the easiest under the weekend was Troy and Ole Miss. And if you look at it, you know, Zach Evans has goes for over 100 yards. This was a huge, uh, you know, 20, 20 rushes for 130 yards. The Rebels' defense, contributions, 10 tackles for loss, five hurries, four sacks on Troy. If Ole Miss has decided they're going to play a little bit of defense and they're going to be a ground-based offense attack, maybe it's going to take another two weeks for you know totals to adjust but i mean i think you got to play under on old miss i mean lane kiffin is even kidding about it uh you know in his in his post-game interview about how old miss fans are probably bored with his offense i mean when the coach is saying that you got to start betting unders houston utsa by the way electric electric game yeah. uh, dana holgerson why is he starting with the ball in overtime i think he's the first coach ever to do it so that means they started the ball in the second overtime because utsa chose and then it goes the third overtime just unbelievable game i wanted to throw that out there and by the way, I also have to throw out Iowa winning seven to three without a touchdown, two safeties in a forensic special. Uh, Iowa football is back. Well, I mean, we could bring up Texas. I mean, Texas has a big game with Alabama coming up this week. Quinn Ewers goes 16 to 24, two TDs, an interception. Three different players for Texas had a rushing TD. So, you know, they, and I, you know, watching Quinn Ewers pass, there's a lot of sidearm going on. He seems loose. Uh, this is going to be a, a big game. I don't think we actually found anything out about the offense or defense this weekend, considering the level of competition they were up against. But Texas looked pretty good in their first outing. Yeah, Texas Alabama will break that all down later in the week. That is one of the, it's that basically what happens with some of these teams is you almost have another week one again because some of these Power Five teams when they play a nobody in the first week, they're going to look good just from the talent disparity. So you can't, you don't really have any idea if their offense or defense has improved. So you're still, it's basically like a, a, their first game, which is going to be the case with Texas. By the way, another bet regret, my biggest bet regret is I had this up on my phone to bet it. And then I was obviously then put it on the app. And a friend of mine came in and tackled me at the bar and said, app state plus one and a half, like just collapse onto me from like from earlier in the day. So I was talking to him and I got completely distracted and the number just kept coming down. Alabama live under. I was like, you know, once they were up, this it was in like the 70s. And then, I, you know, I was like, Alabama's just going to sit on the ball and their defense is still going to be fine. Guy makes a mistake. You want to condemn him?
Right. So I should have bet that. But at Boise State, by the way, a mess against that Oregon State quarterback controversy. Again, is halfback marker to start. The freshman who came in looked pretty good, but Boise State did not look good. And it's the program is just it's headed in another up wrong direction. All right. Uh do you have one game where the we're gonna beat the close that'll inevitably lose next week that you want to give out? <laughs> it was Florida, Kentucky. Uh, that game should be a pick. I know you have a lot of uh you know, reserve about Kentucky football right now, Stuck, but that game should be a pick, Kentucky and Florida. And if Kentucky can contain the explosive play from Anthony Richardson, which has been the forte of a Stoops defense over the last couple of years in Lexington, this could just be a low-scoring slobber knocker because all, all you have to do is keep Anthony Richardson from having explosive plays, and you're going to get under City all day. So if you're going to give me five and a half points and I project this to be, you know, a pick, I, I think I've got to get in on the Wildcats. We'll talk more about that game later, but I, I would look, I would lean under there. For some reasons, yeah. mentioned. we'll talk about that later in the week. All right, it's time for us to go get to work on the week one card. We'll be back later in the week with the week one betting preview. A group of five guys will be back later in the week. Chris Raybon and I will be back later this week with the NFL betting preview. We're here. There's no no sleep, no rest, no breaks. Hopefully find some winners. We'll be back later in the week. Make sure you leave a review, five-star review. I don't care what you say. There's a couple people on Twitter. I, I unblocked your friend for you. You said you're, you're, you're going to get your brother's phone and leave the review. We'll send you gear. We'll do giveaways. Producer, if there's any we got to do. List out the names right now. Yes, thank you, Stuck. A merry Bo Nix season to those who celebrate. Three new reviewers on Apple Podcasts. We got RJX with his review, Must Listen. Ryan Bassford, 38, for Best Pod for Gambling. And Bill J, 8924, with Best College Football Betting Podcast. Unlike Texas State, I do appreciate all of your efforts giving us these reviews getting us high, high up the sports podcast charts. It means the world to everyone here at Action Network. Thanks again. Email me at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. And good luck this week. Make sure you download the award-winning Action Network app. Follow all, all of our bets all week there. Thank you for listening. Thanks, as always, to Colin for joining me. Thanks to all of the crew, video, and audio on the back end for their work as well. Appreciate you guys. And also thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. We'll be back later in the week. Catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out.